Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Emmanuel, who founded a crypto Facebook group back in March. We have all seen the recent headlines, an impressive run-up of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies since the end of last year. It certainly got people interested again in crypto since the highs of December 2017, and I was looking for someone to shed some light on those recent events. So I found that Emmanuel was the right person. The crypto space is not only about the Bitcoin price and the headlines, as you will hear, many things are also happening behind the scenes that will have an impact on our finances in the coming years. So even if you do not plan to invest, it is definitely a space you want to understand. Little disclaimer, so if you're a total beginner to crypto and Bitcoin, I would recommend you first listen to the episode I recorded with Ivan one year and a half ago. Or you can also listen to a recent episode that my friend Michelle from Michelle is Money Hungry made. The guest Jesse explains the concepts very well. Worth a listen if you're new to crypto. Anyway, this episode is for you if you want to learn more about crypto and go beyond the mass media headlines, you want to know more about what is going on and you want to know where the crypto space is headed. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Emmanuel. How are you doing today? Hello, Jonathan. I'm very well. Long day, but uh, very excited to, to, well, to have this opportunity with you today to, to speak about about uh, the crypto market, yes. How are you? Yes, I'm uh, <laughs> very good as well. And um, yes, I'm excited as well because, of course, there's been a lot going on in this market since, uh, I don't know, I mean, since uh, forever, but mainly uh, since uh, October, November, we have seen a, a huge rise in price of Bitcoin. And I must say that I was uh, following the crypto news and the crypto markets and then suddenly, I mean, not suddenly, but over time, my interest faded <laughs> and then suddenly it rises up again. So uh, the market wakes up and, and of course I'm interested. And I think uh, for the listeners, it's important to understand what has been going on. And that's what I want to discuss with you, because I think you started a Facebook group uh, recently to talk about uh, this, to tackle these issues. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, this Facebook group that you started? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm like you also in, in some fire communities. Mm -hmm. So people who, who invest and who want to, to reach financial independence somehow in different ways. And well, as you mentioned, uh, with, with crypto becoming more and more popular, I saw that there were some people trying to talk about uh, these topics and these, this asset class in, in these fire communities. But um, I could see that um, there were, I would say, half of, of the members of these communities that were really, really against, against crypto. And they were really shouting and saying, yeah, this is pure speculation, etc. So um, very adverse against it. And uh, so I decided I wanted to create a community that values crypto assets in their path to financial independence and where we could discuss uh, different investment strategies around crypto assets and exchange on 
yeah ideas basically that's how how this group started and i launched it in in march uh, 2021 mm-hmm. yeah and now i have every two weeks uh, every two and three weeks i don't always manage to do it but i try to to have a meetup online on zoom where we discuss different kind of topics no really good i mean i joined your group i haven't attended the the meetings the zoom meetings there was a clear need for this group i think it's nice because of course to me you know if somebody wants to reach fire so financial independence retire early there's various ways to do that and there's the common way to do the index fund and chill and to you know contribute over time to your portfolio that's great but it's not incompatible with some crypto a bit more risky but if done well why not i mean i'm not fully on crypto neither but i don't see the the harm in it but i think it's it requires quite some education it's new there's a lot of uh, fuzz yes. in the press and it, it may be hard for somebody to to trust it or to even um to say yeah i'm going to join this group or yeah but i'm skeptic it's it's okay it's understandable it's normal it's mm-hmm. uh, it's already difficult with the stock market itself so imagine <laughs> crypto markets it's uh, <laughs> it can be very overwhelming so emmanuel uh, very good and uh, yeah great initiative so yeah so my first question to you emmanuel is uh, why was there uh, such a, an increase of price in the in bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies uh, lately i mean since uh, October November we are recording a bit after the the big wave but why do you think there was this sudden interest again yeah so the major reason because of this this um, increase in price is first of all we have the the cycles that's happening in in bitcoin which every four years you have the halving of of the mining so the number of bitcoins mined are, are halved and afterwards we always have uh, this bull market coming and the last one uh, was in 2017-2018 and then you have the bear market afterwards so it's it's a cycle but if you zoom out then in, in, in the past 10 years bitcoin has been always increasing and on average Bitcoin is increasing 150 to 200%. Yeah, making it actually a very, very safe asset to invest for the long term. And mm-hmm. uh, what we have seen um, since, as you mentioned, September, October, you have MicroStrategy with Michael Saylor, who has been heavily, um, let's say, <laughs> um, yeah, advertising Bitcoin and uh, going public with his uh, acquisitions. Um, and then you have had really a wave of hundreds of institutional investors investing into into bitcoin emmanuel before we move on just um, for the listeners uh, just two things so what can you explain a bit what is the the halving of the bitcoin or uh, how that works and why this halving will cause a, a bull market why is there an increase after the halving it's simply supply and demand it's mm-hmm. it's um let's say the reward that miners get to contribute to, to, to the mining network, the security, let's say, of, the, of blockchain and then Bitcoin, they get a Bitcoin as a reward, very simply uh, said. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is the incentives to contribute to this network. And every, well, it, it's a protocol that has rules, yeah, that was, that was created like this in 2009 by Satoshi Nakamoto. Nakamoto. And yeah. uh, yes, exactly. And Every four years, he decided that uh, the amount of Bitcoin that can be mined will be halved 
so creating an effect of decreasing supply and in, in a way a deflationary asset. And the maximum of Bitcoin that will ever be mined at 21 million. Right. This is yeah. this is the, the magic number and uh, making it more and more scarce and also more and more um, less and less <laughs> supply available. Yeah. And every time we've seen in, in history, uh, so after each cycle halving, we have seen that there has been an increase of of the price. They're very clear, um, Emmanuel. And and then who's this Michael Saylor? Yeah, he's the he's the CEO and founder of MicroStrategy, this uh, famous um, company. I'm not even sure what they exactly do, what what their business was before Bitcoin. But, but he's some sort of influencer or uh, some personality in in the crypto space. I think uh, you can say that nowadays he's really the the major person um, advertising Bitcoin as the ultimate asset against inflation, hedge against against uh, inflation and the uh, fiat currency. And then um, for him, well, he's really a maximalist, I would say. I'm personally not a maximalist. I own several different uh, cryptocurrencies. I see more Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation. So a store of value rather than really uh, a currency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But um, so he has he has made a lot and he has made this whole um, industry and this asset class really evolve into something where institutions now invest. Let's say this way. And so you had you had really a wave of different institutions investing. And I think really the event that had a major impact also for many retail investors was uh, Tesla then buying or announcing that they had bought 1.5 billion Bitcoin in February 2021. Yes, indeed. But it was already by then, I think the crypto was already at 30, 35,000 already, I think. And then... Exactly. So we had... Um, The price when MicroStrategy invested, I think it was around the nine, ten thousand. Then we were going on a side trend, and you had many uh, institutional investors coming in. That mm -hmm. was November, December, and then we increased over the twenty thousand, and uh, and then really when when things <laughs> went above the thirty thousand, that was uh, in in January, and then as you said, February, you had Tesla coming in. Uh, then you had major other announcements, just such as Visa announcing, you know, that uh, that their merchants could could uh, use USDC uh, stable coins. I mean, the, the, all these these kind of events yeah, had positive news that sparks. I mean, that pushes the price up and the interest. Exactly, exactly. And if you look on the Google searches, then this this bull market is really led by institutions because the worldwide Google searches for Bitcoin indicate that retail interest is actually lower than we had in 2017-2018. And uh, I also read some reports recently. You really see that it's institutions that are investing heavily. Also, um, the latest, I don't know if you want really to go chronologically into what happened. Well, then we had... No, <laughs> I, I think we can stick to the main trends. Uh, I think, you, yeah, if you continue on the institution, I think it's great. Yeah, Yeah, because then, you know, we had this, this um, all-time high of 64,000. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had uh, later on the drop. Also, many 
we call this FUD, so fear, uncertainty, <laughs> doubt. <laughs> a lot, a lot of uh, really bad, let's say, news coming out, such as China banning, uh, you know, uh, mining, and uh, you you had then Tesla announcing that suddenly they would not accept Bitcoin yeah. anymore mm-hmm. to buy a Tesla car. Who who would anyways pay with Bitcoin for a Tesla car? But um, the, these these things and then you know saying that uh, bitcoin is very bad for the environment the energy consumption etc etc and really mass media um, just copying each other and uh, spreading this this bad media coverage of of bitcoin but if you look at the on-chain uh, data that we have uh, that's visible because as you know blockchain is public and and bitcoin every transaction yeah. transparent you can see everything on it. so um, you can see the the wallets basically holding large amounts of of this asset, and they have been accumulating more. So um, what we have seen there, this this latest crash that we had in in, in May, um, basically it was an unhealthy market, over leveraged. So many new retail investors coming in and leveraged. So they were margin trading and borrowing. Oh, to no. buy more yeah. and go long and and this was just unhealthy and so we had a snowball effect a reaction <laughs> happening and and really many positions i think um, on i don't exactly remember the day but when we had the, this huge crash i think there were 15 billion dollars of value liquidated this yeah, is huge this yeah. is huge yeah and especially if it's a uh, retail investors it's it hurts even more i mean uh... Of course, then this price, this market trends, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody can understand that. But yeah. then why does it go to such uh, prices? I mean, is, is there a, a target price we should have in mind? Or is Bitcoin really going to 100,000, 1 million? Uh, you know, I had Ivan on tech on, the, on this podcast. He mentioned something about 380,000. That was two years ago. But, you know, so there's always this crazy values announced and where where should we position ourselves here? <laughs> <laughs> Very good question. Everyone comes up with a number. And if you look at, uh, you know, big banks and financial service providers who, who have their own ana- in-house analysts, they all have to come with a number because that's what they ask, get asked to uh, for, you yes. know. So mm-hmm. uh, every expert has, a, <laughs> and there are thousands of millions of uh, <laughs> self-proclaimed experts on the market and everyone has, has a number and a reason. I would not come up with a with a number. I just would look at what is happening right now in our world, and I see the the crazy adoption. So you have JP Morgan, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs, Fidelity, Morgan Stanley, Visa, Mastercard, all these kind of service providers. Now um, they they kind of propose this asset to their clients, and we have something that you cannot erase, which is that thirty five to forty percent of all the US dollars in, ever in circulation have been printed in 2020. And this is, this is uh, just a fact. And um, this, this also means that, well, there is kind of inflation that's going to come, right? And people are, have a negative interest rate in Europe. So you don't have many possibilities to generate yield, also these these banks that uh, have high net worth individuals, they don't have many possibilities. And and one of the possibilities where you can still get very 
let's say interesting interest rates are um, are crypto assets and also decentralized finance where you can get still high yields nowadays yes because just to to put things in perspective because with uh, with this inflation coming for example if somebody has a hundred thousand or ten thousand dollars or euros mm. in his bank account that means that uh, next year he he will have uh, i don't know nine thousand five hundred uh, euros or dollars in his bank account i mean it's uh, if it's five percent i mean okay it's extreme but basically the, the what you have today it will uh, depreciate in value Exactly. And you can see that real estate, for example, becomes much, much more expensive. It becomes more difficult for someone to buy a house from year to year. And and you have certain raw materials where you can see it more than in normal, I don't know, um, <laughs> goods or, or things you, you find in a supermarket. But in general, I think uh, we, we can really see that uh, your purchasing power is decreasing more and more. And uh, people are looking for hedges against inflation. So you had gold in the past and now you have Bitcoin, for example. And Bitcoin is disrupting gold. And if we get to the market capitalization of gold, then, uh, well, we can, coming back to your price targets, um, I think it, it's just a, a question of whether Bitcoin can get to the market cap of gold, which I think is, is 10 trillion or something, then, uh, you know, you can multiply the, this market cap times the price. And then, you know, where we can, we, where, where we can be with the, the Bitcoin price. So um, certain people think we will be in, in 2030, we will be at 500,000. Certain people think we will be at the Bitcoin price of $1 million. Mm-hmm. Um, what I believe is that it's going up, it's deflationary, and it's a very good investment where you can just dollar cost average in and buy every month a little bit or every week. Definitely better than keeping your money on on a bank account where you're going to lose money, where your money is going to be less and less uh, worth. It's a good, I would say, alternative to ETF or index investing. I believe personally better. I don't invest in index investing. You don't have a long history to really prove. Huh? That's maybe the index investors who will say, yeah, but for 50 years, we have the history that <laughs> proves that it's working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's true. We don't have the history, but also history is not always a proof that in the future, it's going to it's gonna go that well, right? So... Mm-hmm. And okay, I see, and it's been said before, huh? Bitcoin is the new gold, the digital gold. So then, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if Bitcoin really replaces gold at some point, well, yes, the, the calculation makes sense. It's just huge numbers. But then what about currency? I mean, because as such, uh, you know, it's often defined as a digital currency. So are people really buying stuff with it today? I mean, like uh, when I lived in Oslo, uh, there was this uh, restaurant that could accept Bitcoin. Uh, that's where I had I attended some <laughs> some meetups. They accepted Bitcoin, but I haven't seen many uh, retail stores or restaurants that accept Bitcoin today. So, are we going going there? Yes, uh, we are going there, and uh, you can see like El Salvador, who now yeah. announced <laughs> that <laughs> Bitcoin will become legal tender in their country, and I think they are really. Let's say the, the first mover in, in these countries, uh, and I think you will have many other Latin American countries that will follow 
that show interest and that want to do the same as, as Salvador. And then you have also in Africa countries. And in fact, uh, I think that Bitcoin is, is solving already and creating financial inclusion in, in certain countries, uh, especially in Africa with micropayments. And you have the new Lightning Network, I think that will decrease even costs of this. But I'm not, I'm not an expert on, on transactions uh, on Bitcoin. I personally see it more as a store of value. And and for me, the the asset that I'm more a fan of is is Ethereum. And for me, Ethereum is is really um, where the whole new financial system is built on that is currently disrupting all financial services. And and it's it's the Internet of Money for me is that. So it, it's Web three. It's the future. It's where where basically you can. Everything you find in traditional finance is being rebuilt there, but in a way where you as a user are benefiting from everything that the bank was cutting off. So, for example, if you have lending providers, right? And what is, how is the bank, the normal bank, they make money on, on, your, on your money when you put it on a bank account, at least in the past was like that. <laughs> and they were lending it out and they were getting interest and fees and, and they were keeping this. And they were giving out a little bit of something for the, the user. But on these uh, lending platforms, you have a DeFi, for example, decentralized finance. Mm-hmm. Well, um, these fees go directly to you. So you benefit, you benefit a lot more. And that's why also in decentralized finance, you can, you can get much higher interest rates than you can find in traditional finance. Okay, so we are all becoming uh, mini banks. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is, and that's uh, for the first time in history that a financial system is being adapted from retail before major legacy financial systems. Okay, because uh, yes, uh, and you, you know, Manuel, I've seen um, uh, even last year, right, in 2020, on LinkedIn, there was a survey uh, that said the skills you need to build. Or, um, I mean, that is the hard skills. The number one was blockchain technology. And then there was programming. There was some other stuff. And then Solidity, soft- probably. Solidity, which is the language, uh, the, the, the program language yeah, of, of Ethereum. Of Ethereum, yeah. yes, exactly. But, but, I mean, this was part of the skill in general. I'm not even talking about tech industry. It was in general, the, the top uh, trending skills. And then, okay, in the soft, then you have... Uh, of course, communication, uh, negotiation, etc. But in the hard skills, was really all related to blockchain in number one and two, I think. So, so there, there are trends. I mean, the market is going there. So we need yeah. market needs programmers. They need people who understand it. I mean, that's no exactly doubt. for me. I think okay with DeFi, uh, as you mentioned, everything will be maybe not visible to the end user, but at least things are being created and made. And uh, I think there's new positions coming out for uh, programmers. I think they will be... Yeah, you have more than 300 um, projects that are being created on Ethereum. And that's just Ethereum. Then you have Ethereum competitors like Solana. You have Binance Smart Chain, for example. And and all on, on, on all these uh, blockchains, you have plenty of projects uh, that are being created and, and value that's created. And this is really disrupting and, and make things more innovative and bringing things forward, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see, I, I read this report from Hedge Fund Report. 
And uh, that was with major crypto hedge funds, I think 150 to 200 that were surveyed there. And 42% of these are using a decentralized finance to generate re-yield with staking, for example. So this means they put, they have a certain cryptocurrency and they basically lock that cryptocurrency in, in that network and they, they get interest um, from mm. the network for allowing the, the transaction. So it's very interesting to see. And this is, the, the I think, the, the trend to which we are going. And then, of course, I looked into what could be the next big thing. And um, so you have DeFi, you have NFTs, so non-fungible tokens that will also become very, very big. And then you have the whole part of security tokens that are very, very small right now. Um, because the, the whole digital assets space is divided in cryptocurrencies. So you have payment tokens, payment tokens like Bitcoin, for example. Then you have utility tokens like Ethereum. Then you have the securities tokens. And these are asset-backed tokens like debt, stock, real estate tokens. Basically, all kind of financial instruments that are mm -hmm. going to be replicated on uh, cryptographically represented on the blockchain. And then you have all the fiat-backed tokens like stable coins, for example, USDT or USDC. And then you have all the central bank digital currencies that are going to be also um, created soon, future. And this, this together with the NFTs form the digital asset space. And currently, if you look at numbers, this digital asset space is around 1.6 trillion market cap. Mm -hmm. So a market volume of 1.6 trillion, a majority um, dominated by crypto assets. But if we look at numbers in 2025, this is going to be together with uh, security tokens, it's going to be a 15 trillion market value represented. So this will be 7% of the world GDP represented uh, on the blockchain. And this will be the 15 trillion market cap. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> it is really, really huge. And this means that uh, security tokens um, that, that are currently very small, they will uh, be 50-50 equal with uh, crypto assets. So I mm -hmm. think um, maybe finding... Finding certain projects there would be also a very good long-term investment. When you say long-term, well, <laughs> quite fast because 2025 is not even in five years. But um, yeah, a good, a good investment to find certain projects like this. Okay, well, that's quite a lot of info. Uh, I think there, there's a few <laughs> things that we discussed. You, you know, the thing is with crypto, you can go in every direction. We can talk about yes. involvement of governance. <laughs> Of uh, sorry, governments of uh, the I mean the footprint, the ecological footprint that, that yeah. it has. But we we will not have time today to tackle this. Uh, what I maybe one last thing before um, uh, that I wanted to mention is that I talked to a, to a friend of mine and he's really into the space, and we were talking about reporting or taxes. Yeah, you know we were as we were talking, we were thinking, yeah, but maybe there will be a trend that. It was just a thought, huh? but we brainstormed mm -hmm. together that there will be two systems parallel. So maybe you will need to report your crypto uh, transactions, and then there will be, still be the fiat, huh? so the what we use today, the yeah. your euros or dollars or uh, whatever, uh, Swiss franc. So you, you maybe when you need to file your taxes, you will submit two uh, reports. Who knows? That was a thought we had, and maybe in the future it will be one. 
consolidated report, but maybe there will be this transition phase. Who knows? It was a something we're thinking because, of course, the government, they will not sit back and relax. I think they will want to have their share as well, which is okay. I mean, we need to build roads and uh, everything. So yep. it cannot be outside of the system. I mean, but that's my thought. Somehow they will want their share and they will want to participate, not necessarily to make money, but to to still maintain um, the healthcare and the, the and education. So I'm not uh, saying it's it's the future, but it could be. <laughs> I think what what will happen is that that's I cannot talk about other markets than Europe where I know a little bit. I'm mm. I'm, I'm far from being a, 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 an expert, but what what I heard is is that uh, they're working to form kind of a digital identity, and uh, I can imagine that this digital identity will be um, a certain way to identify you as a person in in this this world of blockchains yeah. and uh, probably they will then link everything to to this identity so also a credit score and many other things that will that will be linked to this also when you look at at uh, the markets i think europe is the one where they try to give certain regulatory certainty to to institutions now because i think they'll try to regulate you have the market in crypto assets regulation under which you have the payment and um, payment cryptocurrencies and then you the utility that fall under and then you have mifid 2 which will be then all the stos or so security tokens mm -hmm. that will fall under this regulation and this is not yet uh, regulated so it's it's not yet accepted by all eu states and the commission but it's it's something that's in development so i think then on the other hand you will have the taxes and this will be something that each eu state will have then to to decide themselves and what can happen also is that you have certain countries that want to favor favor the creation of uh crypto apps so like like we can see with malta and portugal to to attract the, <laughs> the people from the crypto industry yeah to yeah. Mm -hmm. and and favor these people and and giving them some advantages for example in in, in belgium right now it's not really regulated and uh, if you are a long-term investor if you don't speculate and you don't trade for example then you're not taxed right now and and but this can can change i think in in each eu state no very good uh, thank you for your perspective and then uh, okay manuel we talked about a lot of topics so you know for the listeners i mean if they're still with us uh, <laughs> you know there's a lot of it's a jungle of information huh? i mean you obviously do yeah. your job and uh, you you you're really active but where does one start to find information where do you start to study step by step to understand blockchain technology who who can you listen to? Because you know there are so many people on YouTube or uh, yes, or yes, even you get true. the ads on uh, social media. So so you get you get good stuff, but you get uh, not so good stuff. So where do you find your information, for example? Yeah, it's it's very it's very difficult, as you said, uh, in the way that it's really the wild wild west and mm -hmm. it's not really regulated and everyone can create content nowadays so on youtube as you said you have thousands of youtubers but one that i found really that has value content is coin bureau okay i would definitely definitely go there then you have 
certain newsletters that you can you can uh, subscribe to. One that I really like is Bankless. And uh, they also have a podcast series and a YouTube channel that is really informative and with quality content. Then uh, Twitter is very important on, on crypto. The crypto Twitter is extremely active. And uh, this, is, this is basically the representation of the thoughts, the thoughts of the people momentanely when it's happening. Uh, everyone shares the thing. Of course, you need to be crit- with a critical mind and, uh, you know, filter things. And yes, it's true that uh, you, there are people who, who say bullshit, if I can say, and uh, they just <laughs> <laughs> spread things. And uh, they're also chill, like we say in, 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 in yeah, crypto. To, they, push, they push for one particular project or coin. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes it's a S coin or an exotic coin, let's say. <laughs> Yes, this, just so, this they, so they can make some money. So yeah, that's all the things we need to look for. So yeah, quality information is really important. So yeah, this definitely. Um, I I learned everything from YouTube, from reading, from. Uh, I think there are certain books that are, are quite nice. You know, the the Bitcoin standard. Um, I'm currently reading a book that's called Crypto Asset Investing in the Age of Autonomy by Jake Ryan. I think you need to be, you need to really be motivated to approach it with an open mind and it won't take a week. I think it's a process. It takes time. The first advice I would give a new investor is to buy a little bit of Bitcoin and Ethereum to get the feeling. And Mm -hmm. once you have these, then you, you start reading about it. You get more interested and then, yeah, you can, you can find a strategy then, or you can develop, I mean, a a long-term strategy and the best way and the safest, I would say is dollar cost average and don't time the market. See it as a long time investment. I think that's a very good advice. So quality information and then. Start conservatively if you want to invest, if you want to take that opportunity. I mean, it's not an obligation, but what I would say is really to, even if you you don't want to invest, but you you listen, you have an interest in to entering the space, um, you can also follow a course. To me, it's important to understand at least a little bit. Why? Because we mentioned a few uh, changes in the industry, I mean, in the finance space, but I think it will also have affect other Industry, so like, like supply chain, uh, law, because you know with smart contracts, yes. I mean this could be implemented more automatically. You know, um, you make an insurance contract, and if conditions sure. A and B are present, maybe this will trigger an action or an exchange of uh, information or or uh, even money. So exactly, I think it's it's important to get educated just to at least to be aware of um, of what's you going understand on. Understand it, yes. Because I think that if you are very close-minded about this, what's happening, and you don't want to really learn, or it's, I think it's going to be a very difficult century for you, to be honest. Um, and and this this smart, it's so moving fast and quickly, and you you might really not notice it first, but uh, then then you might have a difficult time. And it's as I said, it takes. It's a whole process to learn these things, and it's not easy. But um, yeah, it's important, I think, because our world will be around blockchain, and our world is dominated by financial services. And 
this is where money is and and they will go to to crypto they will go to blockchain and and so it's important for you as an as an investor to at least be more open minded about it mm -hmm. and even for your career so yeah very good um so yeah emmanuel thank you very much uh, to bring your insights i think it was very good It's very overwhelming, but I think it will already help a little bit with understanding what's going on and to see a bit, yeah, kind of the trends. So yeah, Emmanuel, before we close off, uh, we always have our three quick fire questions. So are you ready? Yeah, just go, go ask me anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the number one question is, um, what is the best investment you made so far? I think it's, it's that I bought my own surf equipment which allows me to to go to the netherlands or the belgian coast whenever the wind is blowing and be free and to you know just uh disconnect from the world this is my passion kitesurfing oh nice yeah okay good and, and you mentioned a few books but uh do you have one book that you can recommend it does not have to be on bitcoin but just uh One book that you say to uh, to the listeners, please read this. It will change your life, <laughs> or or it it's really I recommend it. One book that I can tell you that really helped me, and I will sound boring, and you probably already know that book, but it's true. Uh, it really did, and that's uh, well, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert uh, Kiyosaki. And I've never one. heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> no but really it, i could i could relate to this um yeah that really helped me to to think to have the, the right mindset for personal finance and you know investing starting to to invest mm, yeah no it, it's uh, there's some good principles in that book and then the last question is um yeah what is the best purchase you've made for under 100 uh, euros this uh, this is also Difficult question. <laughs> I don't spend money. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it was. I think it was a flight ticket for 15 euros from Brussels to Berlin and back to Brussels. That was probably the best uh, that I had. Okay, so Emmanuel. Well, uh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you. And then, uh, yeah, for the listeners, uh, what is the Facebook group where they can uh, where they can find you and where where they can uh, participate into those. Um, Uh, Zoom meetings. Yeah, everyone is welcome to join. There, we have all kind of levels: newcomers. We have so-called crypto OGs, also um, old investors. And the group is called Crypto Financial Independence Europe. You will find it on Facebook, and everyone is welcome. Okay, very good. I will link it in the show notes so the listeners can find it. So, okay. So, Emmanuel, thank you again. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Jonathan. And uh, yeah, until the next time. And next time, please join, join our next meetup, which will be on the 22nd of June at 8 p.m. And it's going to be with a guest speaker who is a decentralized finance expert and founder of Crypto Testers who has um, done interviews with many um, important and famous crypto entrepreneurs. And he will give my audience an initiation to decentralized finance. Okay, but that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, very good. Thank you. And um, yeah, so the listeners, I mean, just 
look at the link in the show notes and then you can register for that event. Yeah, it's in the group. So you just join the group and then you will see the event. Exactly. Perfect. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can also read the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now before I let you go, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, what has caused the recent price increase? Well, to start with, Bitcoin moves in cycles of four years. That is when a halving takes place, meaning that Bitcoin rewards for maintaining the security of the network are reduced. And this also cuts the rate at which Bitcoins are mined. This then creates a scarcity which can push the demand up and hence the price. There were a lot of companies such as MicroStrategy pushing the price up, showing enthusiasm, and then this also created uh, with itself a wave of institutional money flowing into Bitcoin and as well major announcements from large companies such as Tesla or Visa. And then in addition to that, there were unfortunately some unhealthy leverage trading by some retail investors. The majority is still driven by institutions. Number two, is there a right price for Bitcoin? Well, bold statement, no one knows. So whatever you hear, everybody has his prediction, but, but in reality, no one knows. Sure, the money printing creates inflation and crypto assets are a good way to hedge against inflation. If Bitcoin uh, disrupts gold, we could even see values such as $500,000. It's crazy. But if you think of it, it really works. If Bitcoin reaches a 10 trillion market cap and there are 21 million Bitcoins maximum, each Bitcoin will be around $500,000. It's just mathematic. Emmanuel sees the value going up as Bitcoin is deflationary, meaning limited supply. It is really hard to put a target or a correct value. But if you believe it has room to grow, the best is to dollar cost average over the long term, meaning you put a small amount into it over the long haul. Number three, could Bitcoin become a currency? It's hard to tell. I have not seen many use cases, but Bitcoin just became legal tender in El Salvador. So let's see. Who knows? <laughs> Number four, Ethereum. So Ethereum is the basis of a new financial system. The traditional finance is being rebuilt on the Ethereum network. Regarding DeFi, decentralized finance, the bank fees that were going to the bank, they become yours. So you will be able to get higher interest rates than in traditional finance. And then last but not least, the trends to watch in the space. Well, we talked about security tokens. So asset-backed tokens represented on the blockchain, they are still relatively small, so they might represent an interesting investment opportunity. So keep them in your radar. Regulations are on their way in Europe. So big things are coming. We were talking about a digital identity. So who knows what will happen there? And then three, and that's maybe the biggest conclusion of this whole episode, develop your blockchain skills, learn about it, read about it. Cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology are not going away. They are the future. They are here to stay. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.